Hi, I'm Shereen Pashek, and you're listening to the Modern Retail Podcast, where I speak with executives leading the reinvention of retail. A few months ago, I had Emma Chine, co-founder of Patent Brands, a company launched by the brains behind the agency that was formerly known as Gin Lane, uh, which is a thing I like to say um, every so often or whenever I talk to Emmett. Um, and at the time, I remember we discussed a lot of really exciting innovations that the startup was working on, and it was all founded on sort of what I liked, this idea of driving enjoyment and happiness and good things in daily life. I don't think the mission's changed, but wow, the world certainly has. I'm so excited to welcome back to the show, Patent Brands, with CEO Nick Ling. Hi, Nick. Hi, Shireen. How are you? Yeah, very good. I think I'm um, coping the same way everyone else is with everything that's going on in the world around us. Yes, good. Well, that's good to hear, and I'm so excited to have you back. I, I, I wanted to start with kind of that mission that I just mentioned. You know, Emma and I, and I think I've seen this in from every product that you guys have made to every ad I've seen from Pattern. Um, and this idea that sort of you, it's not about making the thing, it's about the feeling that the thing you make kind of evokes. Yeah. Um, yeah. The mission's obviously not changed, but what if the last sort of even few weeks meant for how that mission actually shows up in people's lives? Yeah, Shireen, um, I think we've been incredibly lucky as a company to um, be in the position we're in. and. As you said, we launched Pattern with this idea of how do we create enjoyment in people's daily lives, specifically at home, where that comes to life very much for us through the rituals and activities that you do in your day-to-day life. And one of the things me and Emma were very keen on when we launched the business were was how do we make those rituals and activities really accessible, right? That you don't have to have this perfect life that you see on Instagram, but you can just incorporate it, it into your day-to-day. And I, I don't think it um, is a massive jump at all that with all of us sitting at home, you know, right now we're on a Zoom together, each from our own homes um, talking about this, but all of us are sitting at home more and some of those pain points that, or those um, areas of frustration that people had are, are all the more acute. Mm-hmm. Now we're spending more time with our families, our loved ones, maybe our pets at home. Um, and we've seen that our mission has really resonated very strongly with this idea of how do we make a home a haven and how also do we help separate home into different activities where now work is a much bigger activity at home than it used to be. Hmm. Um, and, you know, tangible ways that's happening. We have two brands under the Pratham umbrella. Um, one's called Equal Parts, which is a cooking brand. So obviously we're all cooking at home more right now. So... That's an easy one. What we try and do there is say, hey, how do we make cooking at home an everyday habit hmm. rather than something that you save up for the weekends or for, you know, a special occasion? Right. And was that something that you right. were sort of thinking of, you know, say, we're, we, I loosely am going to yeah. divide this as like yeah. before Corona, after Corona, yeah. and then yeah. after, after Corona. But, yeah. you know, that was, that's sort of a consumer shift that was happening. People were cooking yeah. for the, after yeah. like a generation that subsisted supposedly on sort of takeout and frozen meals, cooking yeah. became a really important part of the way people lived. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you, you, you yourself and other people have used these expressions, I think, about pre-corona and now in corona and post-corona, you can think about just three sets of consumer categories, right? So essentials, so stuff you just need for life, right? So toilet paper might be in that type of stuff, right? Um, then there's stuff that's not important right now, mm-hmm. where that could be stuff like travel, things that you're not doing. And then I think we really fit into 
this category of new essentials, hmm. things which have become very important to your life now that a lot of day-to-day norms have changed. And I think that cookware is an essential for some, but it's now a new essential for many more people. Hmm. And um, I think those activities being your day-to-day is a behavior shift that we've all started to see, especially among millennials, Yeah. right? So, um, and I think we're seeing an acceleration of behaviors that our generation would have gone through anyhow, mm-hmm. but the spending more time at home is just causing that to happen a little bit quicker. Yeah, absolutely. So, and you know, and last time we actually had, and I interrupted you, but last time we had Emmett on the show, I think only equal yeah. parts had launched. I think it might've been just close to sort of announcing, um, announcing open spaces. Can you talk a little bit about sort of between equal parts and launching the new brand and sort of how those two have sort of played together? Yeah. Yeah. So we launched open spaces in late January this year, which seems a uh, age ago now. Um, or, or a, a lifetime, lifetime ago. Yes. Um, so Open Space's mission is to create space to enjoy. Mm. So we create beautiful, well-designed home organization products so that you can create more enjoyment in your space around you. So that's everything from bins, underbed storage, stuff that has high design that's inspired by almost Japan or Den- Danish design, mm. but is on display, but helps you functionally organize your space better. And um, again, you'll, you'll hear me saying this again, but we've really tried to design that you want to use those products day to day. And alongside it, we have a guidance offering to help you break down the barriers to organizing. So it's less about purging and spring cleaning and more about building up everyday habits. Mm. Um, and I think um, across both brands, what we've seen is that the content and the Um, missions are united around how to get to that intrinsic habit happiness from habits and rituals Mm -hmm. and while they may be different products in different areas of your home we see a lot of commonality behind how we communicate with consumers Mm. and how those missions come to life in your day-to-day right so um, examples of that are we for both brands we have experts who are on demand to help support you through those processes. And we've actually seen those experts are used a lot more now during the Corona era rather than the pre-Corona era. And these experts are available once you buy, once you buy the products, correct? But also if you don't buy them. Right now, yes, we we open them up for when you don't buy the products now. And um, both for our consumers and then for the wider market, we've seen a tremendous uptick in the use of those experts. Mm. So, our Texas Chef service for equal parts has had a 2,000% uptick in usage from pre-corona to during corona. Mm -hmm. And um, what you're seeing is that people have more complex questions than they used to have, right? So we'll be answering questions of people who are asking, what should I go and buy from the grocery store so I don't have to go back for a couple of weeks? That's very specific. Versus, (laughs) you know, before it was questions just like, um, what temperature do I cook a chicken breast at? Sure. Right, which was more expected. And, um, you know, I, th- I think we love being in a place where we can support our community mm-hmm. and now this wider community that I think that our products can be uh, more useful to. Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting. I I, I want to ask a little bit about sort of customer acquisition and how that's changed because 
Having that service and that guidance, you know, open is obviously really smart from a marketing and customer acquisition cost, uh, customer acquisition yeah. perspective. And also that's great yeah. because people who, people like me who might even be introduced to the product through that guidance versus maybe directly through sort of the product itself and then creating a path to purchase for that. Walk me through a little bit of what that actually looks like and especially how that's looked like now, because this is clearly a, in some ways, I hate to say, but like a good time for a brand like Pattern. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a good time to be creating the things that you make. Yeah, I think about it as a fortunate time. And, you know, going back to that message, home's a haven. Mm -hmm. It's a fortunate time that we can help create that now and, and then going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, I think when you build a brand, you have to have a product that people love. And that's the basis of nearly every good consumer brand that I can think of, right? The, the reason people love Nike is because Nike sells you a sneaker that you love. Right, and around that they have incredible marketing, content, Nike run apps, etc. And so, what I think about for equal parts open space and any brand behind Pattern is that our number one goal is to provide people with products that they'll love to use. Mm -hmm. And I think without that, nothing around content or marketing can really make a difference unless you have that foundation. Absolutely. I, I think what we love about um, these personalized services is that they're personalized. Mm. Right. So. If you think about if we just put out a broad piece of recipe content, it's the same piece of information that goes to everyone, whoever they are, right? But when we put out, um, when, when we're doing these one-to-one -one interactions, this is now serving you with your needs much better. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think about that as our North Star of content. How do we make this more personal and personalized to you? Mm -hmm. Because then you're more likely to build a long-term affinity of the brand versus being like, uh, I'm not sure that's the type of food I really like to eat. Yeah, or, absolutely. that doesn't really speak to me. And that's long been a quest of mine and Emma's, right? How do we make brands that make you feel like we're your best friend rather than like someone who's projecting their view of the world to you? I love that. And I think it's so interesting to think about this now because I do think that personalization's always been just important in anything. I mean, you yeah. talk about sort of from publishing to um, marketing, to creating great brands, to creating great products. Yeah. And I, I wonder if there is sort of a time coming that just in this new reality or new normal, whatever yeah. you want to call it, that that becomes just even more important. Sort of we're all going through this great thing together, but at the same time, everyone, I hear a lot more about I want to talk directly to my one-on-one -on -one customer. I want to do more, whether for bridal companies, it's virtual styling that's very personalized and focused on that person. And I wonder if there's more of a premium now being placed on it. Do you feel like that's something mm -hmm. that's happening? I can speak for our business that we've just seen these jumps in engagement of things that we put out there that are personal or personalized. Mm. That, 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 that's, that's something we've, we've definitely seen. Yeah. Um, and I think brands broadly reflect values of consumers. Mm -hmm. That's the way around I think it happens. And I think that our expectations from our generation is that we all have more individual identities, mm -hmm. right? And, um, um, and I think that brands reflect that. And I think that, um, I, to be honest, I don't know as we're stuck at home with Corona, whether that's intensified mm -hmm. or not. Right, you can put one point of view that this is a coming together moment sure. yeah. where we all have more commonality. You can put another point of view that um, um, we're getting more entrenched in our points of views. But So I'm not sure about that one. But for us, what I'm seeing is that stuff where we can have 
community one-on-one interactions resonates incredibly well. Yeah. And um, we've seen that both through these services, but also through events that we've started running, Hmm. which are much more narrow towards um, areas of your life rather than broad broad trends that might be out there. Give me an example of that. Right. So um, like many brands, we've been running live events for our community through the Pattern brand and through our individual brands. Um, um, We did a painting workshop um, um, a couple of weeks ago, almost like a, um, is his name Bob Ross in America? Yes, in Bob terms Ross. Of, we have a, an English version of him, right? But um, what we saw was like the the expression of individuality through doing your own painting was a really valuable thing for us to be able to provide to people, as much as the um, um, the teaching of the activity itself. Right. And coming out of that painting workshop, we saw how people wanted to share the paintings they'd made, right, as an expression of their self going through this. And this was virtual. Yeah. So is the, I'm, I'm intrigued by that because I think, you know, for so many young brands, um, again, community has been really important. Bringing people together is very important. You've seen for a lot of born online companies how stores are not really just stores anymore. They're yeah. community spaces, they're event spaces. Yeah. And now it's all moved kind of online. Um do you sort of see kind of that community approach continuing to be more virtual for you? How have you kind of approached this just as, okay, I, I run this company now, this is how we're going to have to focus our strategies on that. Cause that's a very important part of who yeah. you are as a brand. Yeah. I, so it all comes back to that mission we talked about day one. I, I, I think that when you run a brand, you, you've really got to be, authentic to your core of why you exist and why you're doing things. And I think that consumers can smell when you're just doing something to react to a moment versus is this really authentic for you? Mm-hmm. And um, as we've thought through digital content, what we've tried to say is what's mo- most authentic to pattern and and how can we make that really purposeful as we put it out there? Mm-hmm. And so um, our, our digital content We've been excited because it allows us to do things that was much harder to do before, right? Setting up a, a a whole live painting experience is pretty complex, right? But giving people a list of the tools they need and setting up a stream is, is a way easier way to reach people. And I think for us, what the, the, one of the most exciting things is it's allowed us to expand into more activities, more rituals, that we think can be pretty impactful, then we'd be able to touch with just equal parts in cooking and open spaces in organization. Um, longer term, um, to be honest, I don't know. I think we'll react and see how, how yeah. people change. I, I, I think there's a just a danger right now in today's environment of presupposing what the future is exactly going to be like. Right. I, I think we Wait, all have some, our beliefs, well, we right? Have, right. Basically, we have no idea, but you have to have some idea in order to keep yeah. running any kind of business. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah, no, look, look, I, 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 I think there's some big longer term trends that you'll see, right? right. So I, I think e-commerce is going to be up long term from this, right? I Absolutely. think that remote working is going to be increasingly normal. Mm-hmm. And so for, for us, I think about how can we, if we believe in that long term trend is like, how can patterns support that remote workforce? And is that remote workforce asking for more digital events or not and yes. that's the type of questions we want to go out and ask so you're basically telling me i'm going to be on zoom calls just for the rest of my life <laughs> maybe that's what i'm hearing <laughs> that's what i'm hearing yeah we're gonna take a quick break for an ad and we'll be right back 
So let's talk about sort of, you know, running a business though, any business yeah. really in sort of yeah. an age of not having a lot of visibility. And again, you're right. You can make certain assumptions, certain pretty good assumptions about, okay, what will the long-term effects be? But just day to day, I mean, everything from kind of figuring out where to spend marketing money, whether to spend marketing money, whether to have advertising, whether to launch new brands, whether to launch new products. How do you kind of start even figuring out what decisions to make? Because I think it's interesting, you know, a lot of CEOs I've spoken to recently have said, I used to at least know what the next, I don't know, 60 days would be, maybe even 30 days. Now it's like, to your point, before we even started this uh, this podcast, you don't even know what the day's going to look like. You have no idea what what strange curveballs sort of will be thrown at you. And and I just, it's very hard to tell how this will end up. And yet you still have to kind of put one foot in front of the other and run this company. What has that sort of been like just in the last few weeks, day to day? Um, and how are you kind of trying to look for visibility or even just community where it's very hard to find any? By the way, I agree with everything you just said. Um, my, my, my number one rule has been focus on the things I can control versus the things that are out of my control. And f- for us, what I look at kind of even more focused is what we're doing versus what other people are doing and maybe what's happening in the world around us. And it- it's gone back to us to what are the fundamental metrics of our business that allow us to see what our performance is in the next one, two, four, six weeks, which I think is the type of visibility we have. Um, I-, I think we're incredibly fortunate, right? Because all of our metrics have trended massively upward in the last six weeks, which may be different to some other people who are dealing with you know, much more challenging situations. Mm-hmm. And so what I think about is um, how do we read those in a very logical, strategic light and push away the uncertainty of whether there's going to be a recession, how long Corona is going to last, because... In reality, as a startup CEO, we've got no more information than any of our employees or than anyone around us, right? I think there's a few people, a very few people, less than 10 people in the world maybe, who have more information than the rest of us around this. And I think that it's about how do you go back to what you can control and focusing on that. I think the, the other part of this that's very challenging is how do you manage a team through this? And how do you manage a customer base through this? Because there's inevitably going to be some you know, hiccups on the way. Um, and f- for us, it's about just being transparent. And I think that um, towards our team is that not pretending that we know the answer. I think that the easy thing to do is to pretend you know what's going to happen and project strength. Um, And then just accept that my message and how we talk is probably going to really resonate with two thirds of the team sometimes, but another third are going to be in a different place because of what's going on in their life right now. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's very much how we're approaching this. I think that um, in terms of stuff around new product launches and new brands launching, I think that's very, very challenging. I, I, I think that's, I, I would, it, that's not something that we have um, right now. We've just launched open spaces. But right. if I was launching a new brand, I'd wait because I think there's just too much change in consumer behavior to really bring it to market. It's so and, hard. And for people who have been sort of on the cusp, you know, they were about to sort of do something like what early March, it's been basically like, do I, do I go on with this? And I think nine times out of 10 people say no, but there are the one out of tens that are saying, you know what, I'll move forward. And you've only got one chance to introduce something to the world. Yeah. And I think it's very hard to introduce something to the world with the right tone. And when everything's changing day to day. And 
Um, I'm sure there will be some successful brand launches, but if if I, I I would think about if I were brands like that, what can I use the next two months to do mm-hmm. to make this brand even more special than maybe it is right now? Right, absolutely. And you and I liked what you said. Sort of, you know, there's some things you can control, like for example, how you speak to your team or how you sort of mm-hmm. communicate this internally. And then there's some things you can't control. Among the things you can control, I mean, obviously, yeah. costs have been costs are on everyone's mind. Everyone wants to keep cash and they don't want to have extraneous um, expenses that can be avoided. For a lot of them, for a lot of people, it's meant um, in retail, that's meant rent, that's meant um, furloughs and layoffs where that makes sense, that's meant, what else? What other cost levers even are there? I mean, I sense a lot of sort of founders kind of saying, okay, I know I need to cut costs, but I really don't know what to cut other than a few obvious things and sort of that, that push-pull seems to me a real issue and a real struggle. And I'm wondering sort of if you've experienced it and how you sort of dealt with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think that in a, a consumer business, right, you basically have marketing, people, inventory, and then operating costs. And those operating costs are things like your, uh, your subscription to Zoom and, and, or Adobe or all these types mm-hmm. of tools and SaaS products. But those are by far the smallest of right. those four buckets you have out there. So I, I, I do think for everyone, and including us, everyone is saying, how can we operate more smartly? Mm-hmm. So how do we make sure any dollar we spend is really well thought through? And how do we talk to our suppliers and people around us to make sure that happens? I think that can only get you so far. We don't have to think like this because of the trajectory of our business. But as I've have heard from other founders, I think you can think about, is there a fundamental change in strategy Hmm. which alters your cost structure? So Hmm. um, is selling a digital product still the right thing to do? Should you sell content? Should you rethink how you approach? And I think that's why you're seeing, why you're not seeing new brand launches. I think you're seeing a lot of new product launches Hmm. from companies right now because of that challenge and because of the pivot they're having to go under. Because um, I don't think there's a way you can take off 30% of your costs without fundamentally changing your strategy. Right. It's, it'd probably end up being a completely different company. Marketing right. seems to be the one lever, at least. I mean, look, there have yeah. been, we've, have, lots been said about sort of, you know, so-called direct-to-consumer brands, but just general, yeah. any startups, yeah. uh, they basically, yeah. marketing was their biggest thing. How, how do you sort of think of marketing in this environment? Because on one hand, those yeah. rates are pretty low in some yeah. places. And on the other yeah. hand, is it worth spending it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you just go back to your customer economics. To say, like, what are you really going to get from this, and what do you, where do you believe you are, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I think some businesses, if they spend marketing, they're not really getting revenue return, even if CPMs are down. Mm-hmm. But for other businesses, you're seeing a much better return on investment than you would than you've had before. Wait, which so, one are you? I, 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 um, we're, we're in the the lucky camp of better return on investment. <laughs> <Just to> check. <laughs> Got it. Um, um, but look, I, I, I've heard things like. TV rates are down 80%. And it's, but I think that um, those types of investments can have more uncertain outcomes. And so I think you're seeing people continue to spend on Google and Facebook, Mm -hmm. where you have very direct correlation between investments. But I think some of these bigger campaigns, people are maybe holding off from because there's more of a lag time and less certainty between your marketing investment and a return. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And I think there's a lot of around that sort of you don't want to trade that, you know, that dollar in exchange for like a and, penny, essentially. Yeah. And so that top of the funnel stuff, I think, is probably 
less attractive right now, but more traditional stuff. I'm I'm sure that most people are still spending on where they're seeing return. Yeah, absolutely. One, you know, we wrote a story. Um, our editor Kale Weissman actually wrote a story about um, just sort of how you know this thinking more you know long term to your point earlier and sort of about whether this sort of fundamentally shifts kind of some certain aspects of the so-called kind of direct-to-consumer ecosystem. And one thing sort of he had argued, and we got a lot of a lot of notes about this, and I'm curious about your take on this, sort of his argument was that for months, everyone's been, you know, sounding alarms about in certain categories, sort of there was a bubble. There were some companies who had raised too much money. In some categories, there was too much competition. They couldn't stand out. And sort of a lot of VCs kept saying, okay, this is the year that, you know, it's not about spending a ton of money, there's going to be a cooling on VC dollars, but also for founders and CEOs and uh, anybody who ran these companies, this was the year that they would prize everything from sustainable growth to mm-hmm. that or P word profitability. And it was this idea that everything's kind of just the whole calculus has changed. Sort of the playbooks mm-hmm. change, kind of the retail startups aren't going to be doing a lot with physical stores now. Sort of everything that was sort of laid out for a lot of companies would have just been upended. Do you think this marks in any way kind of an irreversible change in how these companies work? I mean, beyond sort of the unknowability of a recession happens and everything has changed, but do, where do you sort of see that kind of shaping out and how does that change, if at all, how you're running the company? Yeah, I I, I think it's a, a smart point. I think um, some things still hold true that I think cause a lot of the challenges and where that conversation has come from, where fundamentally it's never been easier to start a brand, but never been harder to scale. So I think that's just the world we live in, and I think that will sure. continue to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So just where technology and supply chains have got to, even today you can start a brand from your living room. And so I think that one of the challenges with that market is in just increased competition in every category. Mm -hmm. And it comes back to some stuff that me and you spoke about earlier in the conversation, which was personalization and personable. And I think what you're going to keep on seeing is more and more brands in more and more crowded categories, which target narrower sets of consumers. So Mm -hmm. each brand will be built to focus on a specific need you have rather than a broader set of needs, um, which means, I think this is part of the conversation, which means that the cap for how large an individual brand can be um, may be lower than it was, than you people expected previously. Um, and I don't think that's changed. I think what, um, and I think that what everyone's going to be looking at, whether it's through retail or through um, other digitally owned channels, whether it's marketplaces or other ways of reaching people, is still as like, how do your customer economics scale? And really what retail represented was a way for customer economics to, to scale to with scale. your business that was how you in that competitive that environment. And um, I think what you are seeing, and I, I've seen this information, I think you're seeing more people are buying from marketplaces right now. Mm-hmm. And it's because people are looking for alternatives to retail where they can discover brands. So, you know, I, I saw um, Wayfair, Amazon, all of these types of places are just continuing to grow. And I think it's because they're replacing the role of retail. Yeah. And so I think when you're running a consumer brand, you've got to think about a couple of things. One is, number one, what do your fundamental economics look like? And then number two, how can you still think about channels to allow your brand to be discovered in, a, in an effective way? And I think that's maybe moving right now from 
pure play retail is a way of thinking about it to other ways that can happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, does that does that at all sort of change? And again, you're on a different trajectory, yeah, but yeah. does that change how you've thought of you know, yeah, you know it, it does. Amazon it, or way, even wherever have you thought? You know, about what we've thought about is how you? can we introduce other brands to our consumer, hmm. right? So mm-hmm. almost flipping it on a, in its head. You're the marketplace, right? Like if pattern stands for something that that you remembered around enjoyment, other ways we can introduce other brands as well as our own that might create enjoyment for you. Mm-hmm. And then we, I, I think it's a, a more novel way to think about it versus just um, going under current channels that are going out there. That's very interesting. I feel like I'm going to hear some great news from you in the, few mo- mm-hmm. in the next few months then. Yeah. Sounds yeah. good. And, and it's, it's, it's part of how we've thought about building conversations with our community, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, last question. What in all this, anything you want has just surprised you? What did you say? Wow, I did not expect that to be happening just in the last few weeks you know something small that surprised me um when you run a consumer company you get you get a bit used to how people interact with your brands and when they buy when they don't buy and one thing with consumer behavior that has changed that i wasn't thinking about were that weekdays and weekends look the same to consumers in how they interact with our brand and how they even purchase their brands right mm-hmm. so you used to see that weekends are spikes and then yeah, on a Wednesday, no one's buying. Now it's just like, <laughs> just the whole time. And I think it's because, and when you say it, it's obvious, but I think it's because people are working at home, this blur between what any day is, has, it, it's way less distinct than it used to be. Which and, is kind of good for you. You're probably seeing sort of some, you know, some nice consistency there, which is yeah, it's, it's, fun it's to just, watch. And, and it's a, I, I, I wasn't expecting going into this that most hours of the waking day now look the same from consumer purchasing behavior. Yeah, which sounds scary, but it's actually quite nice if you approach it that way. Right. Um, so that's something in terms of our business that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Um, you know, going into this, we didn't know how our business would react to changes in behavior. And I, I, I just keep on coming back to being fortunate that our message is resonating with people. and. Um, and also trying to support other businesses as they're trying to go through that transition as well. Absolutely. Nick, thank you so much for being on the Modern Retail Podcast. Thank you very much, Shereen. And thank you for listening. Our producers, Pierre BNMA, who if, if you like the show, please head to your iTunes store, search for a show and leave us a review and a rating. It helps new listeners find us. Thanks again for listening.